Hello and welcome to Leftist Reading, a podcast where I'm a leftist and I read things. Today we're continuing with the curriculum of Marxism-Leninism, and we're on to a new sub-chapter section thing, going through various foundational principles and basics of just what materialist dialectics actually is. So, let's dive right in. Section 4. Basic Laws of Materialist Dialectics Laws are the regular, common, obvious, natural, and objective relations between internal aspects, factors, and attributes of a thing or phenomenon, or between things and phenomena. There are many types of laws in this world, and they all have different prevalence, reach, characteristics, and roles in regard to the motion and development processes of things and phenomena in nature, society, and human thought. So it is necessary to classify different laws for humans to understand and apply them effectively into practical activities. Classifying laws based on prevalence, we have private laws, common laws, and universal laws. See private and common. Private laws are laws that only apply to a specific range of things and phenomena. For example, laws of mechanical motion, laws of chemical motion, laws of biological motion, etc. Common laws are laws that apply to a broader range of subjects than private laws, and they impact many different subjects. For instance, the law of preservation of mass, the law of preservation of energy, etc. Universal laws are laws that impact every aspect of nature, society, and human thought. Materialist dialectics is the study of these universal laws. If we classify laws based on the reach of impact, we will have three main groups. Laws of nature, laws of society, and laws of human thought. Laws of nature are laws that arise in the natural world, including within the human body. They are not products of human conscious activities. Laws of society are the laws of human activity in social relations. These laws only apply to the conscious activities of humans, yet they are still objective. Annotation 161. We have already discussed how relations between human beings are objective, see annotation 108. By extension, the human relations which compose human societies are objective, and thus, any laws which govern human relations must also be objective. Marx's assertion that human social relations are objective is critical to understanding his work. Marx pointed out that social relations may not be physical, in the sense that they can't be observed directly with human senses, but that they still have an objective character. They exist externally to a given subject, and they have objective impacts on reality. For instance, the class relations between the capitalist class and the working class result in objective manifestations in reality, such as wealth accumulation, modes of circulation, etc. Laws of human thought are laws of the intrinsic relationships between concepts, categories, judgments, inference, and the development process of human rational awareness. As the science of common relations and development, materialist dialectics studies the universal laws that influence the entire natural world, human society, and human thought, all together as a whole. These universal laws are 
the law of transformation between quantity and quality, the law of unification and contradiction between opposites, the law of negation of negation. Annotation 162. Each of these laws is considered universal because they apply to all things, phenomena, and ideas, and all the internal and external relations thereof, in human perception and practice. All things, phenomena, and ideas change and develop as a result of mutual impacts and relationships in accordance with these universal laws. On a fundamental level, materialist dialectics is the study of these universal laws and their utility. 1. Law of Transformation Between Quantity and Quality the law of transformation between quantity and quality is a universal law which concerns the universal mode of motion and development of processes of nature, society, and human thought. Annotation 163. Remember that mode refers to how something exists, functions, and develops. See annotation 60. The universal mode of motion and development processes thus refers to how all things, ideas, and phenomena move change, and develop. Friedrich Engels defined the law of transformation between quantity and quality in Dialectics of Nature. Quote, the law of the transformation of quantity into quality and vice versa, for our purpose, we could express this by saying that in nature, in a manner equally fixed for each individual case, qualitative changes can only occur by the quantitative addition or subtraction of matter or motion, so-called energy, end quote. In other words, quantitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas lead to quality shifts. The universal mode of motion and development processes follows the law of transformation between quantity and quality, which states, qualitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas arise from the inevitable basis of the quantitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas, and vice versa. Quantitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas arise from the inevitable basis of qualitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas. Annotation 164. Put simply, quantity changes develop into quality changes, and quality changes lead to quantity changes. See annotation 117. We say that these changes to quantity and quality occur on the inevitable basis of one another because quality changes always invariably arise from quantity changes, and likewise quantity changes always invariably arise from quality changes. Just as quantity shifts lead to quality shifts, it is also true that quality shifts lead to quantity shifts. For example, if you have 11 donuts, then you add one donut, you now have one dozen donuts. If you add 12 more donuts, you would then have two dozen. Another example of quality shift leading to quantity shift would be a pond filling with rainwater. Once enough drops of water collect and the pond is considered full, that is to say, once it is considered to be a pond of water, we will no longer think of the pond in terms of drops. We would think of the pond as filled, overfilled, underfilled, etc., Note that both of these examples are related to our human perceptions and understandings of the material world. 
The material world does not change based on our perceptions, nor how we classify the quantity or quality of a given subject. There are also objective aspects related to quality shifts leading to quantity shifts. For example, if we adjust the quantity of the temperature of a sheet of paper to the point of burning, and the paper burns, then the quantity of paper would be reduced from one sheet to zero sheets. In other words, the quality shift arising from temperature quantity increase, i.e. the paper burning into ash, results in a quantity shift in how many pieces of paper exist, from one sheet to zero sheets. However, even this is ultimately a subjective assessment rooted in human consciousness, since we subjectively think in terms of sheets of paper, and the concept of a sheet of paper is essentially a classification rooted in human consciousness. It is merely an abstract way of perceiving and considering the quantity and quality of the material subject which we think of as paper. The law of transformation between quantity and quality is an inevitable, objective, and universal relationship that repeats in every motion and development process of all things, phenomena, and ideas in nature, human society, and human thought. A. Definitions of quantity and quality. Definition of quality. Quality refers to the organic unity which exists amongst the component parts of a thing, phenomenon, or idea that distinguishes it from other things, phenomena, and ideas. Annotation 165. Note we have already given basic definitions of quantity and quality in annotation 117. What follows are more comprehensive philosophical definitions of quality and quantity. Our world exists as one continuity of matter. All things and phenomena in our universe exist essentially as one unified system, namely the entity which we call the universe. This unified nature of existence is extremely difficult for human beings to comprehend. George Wilhelm Friedrich Engel pointed out that in this sense, the unity of pure being is indistinguishable from nothingness. In Science of Logic, Hegel noticed that if we try to comprehend pure material existence as a whole without distinguishing any component thing or phenomenon from any other, then all is incomprehensible. Human consciousness needs to delineate and distinguish the component parts of this unified system from each other in order to make sense of it all. Quote, pure light and pure darkness are two voids which are the same thing. Something can be distinguished only in determinate light or darkness. For this reason, it is only darkened light and illuminated darkness which have within themselves the moment of difference and are, therefore, determinate being. The human mind has evolved to perceive various things, phenomena, and ideas as differentiated. Quality is the basis on which we perceive subjects as distinct from one another. Everything, phenomenon, and idea is composed of internal components and relations. The unity of these internal components and relations is what we refer to as quality. For example, a human being's quality refers to the unity of all the internal components and relationships of which the human being is composed, i.e. the cells, organs, blood, etc., as well as the thoughts, memories, etc., which make the human. In unity. Quality is also a subjective phenomenon, a reflection of the material world in human consciousness. See annotation 68. 
Therefore, we may conceive of various qualities for the same subject. We can think of 12 donuts as a box of donuts, a dozen donuts, or as 12 individual donuts. We could consider a building as one apartment building or 40 apartments, depending on the viewpoint of analysis. So objective and inherent attributes form the quality of things, phenomena, and ideas, but we must not confuse quality and attribute with one another. Every thing, phenomenon, and idea has both fundamental and non-fundamental attributes. Only fundamental attributes constitute the quality of things, phenomena, and ideas. When the fundamental attributes change, the quality also changes. The distinction between fundamental and non-fundamental attributes of things, phenomena, and ideas must depend on the purpose of the analysis. The same attribute may be fundamental when analyzing with one purpose, but non-fundamental when analyzing with another purpose. Annotation 166. Whether or not an attribute is considered fundamental depends entirely on conscious perspective. For example, one baker may consider chocolate chips to be fundamental for baking cookies, while another baker may not. This subjective characteristic of what might be considered fundamental or not is reflected in how we consider quality. If you are trying to determine how much water you need to fill a swimming pool, you may think of a pool in terms of size, i.e. this is an Olympic-sized pool. But if you just want to go for a swim, you are likely to just think in terms of the water level, i.e. the pool is empty, we can't swim. If you are planning the construction of a school and want to know how many classrooms it will need, you might think in terms of classrooms of students. But if you are considering funding for a school year, you might consider the total number of students. The quality of a thing, phenomenon, or idea is determined by the qualities of its component parts. Annotation 167. Qualities are composed of qualities, combined in unity. A swimming pool may consist of a certain amount of concrete in a specific configuration combined with 5,000 gallons of water. A car may be composed of a body, an engine, four tires, etc. Each individual component exists as a quality, a unity of component attributes in and of itself. Quality is also determined by the structures and connections between component parts which manifest in specific relations. Therefore, distinction between fundamental and non-fundamental attributes is also relative. Annotation 168. It's not just the component parts of a subject which define its quality, but also the relations of those component parts. For instance, a quantity of wood and nails configured in one set of structural relations may have the quality of a chair, whereas the same component parts arranged with different structures and relations may have the quality of a table. In this sense, quality can be thought of as a synthesis of the content and form, see content and form, of a thing, phenomenon, or idea from a certain perspective. For example, if we see two shoes, we may think of each shoe as an individual qualitative object, two shoes. On the other hand, we may think of the shoes together as a single qualitative object in terms of its utility and in terms of synthesis of content and form, a pair of shoes. So much so that if one shoe is lost, then the remaining shoe is considered useless and discarded as trash. Because there are countless ways in which quality, 
the configuration and relations and composition of constituent parts of any given subject can manifest, we must recognize that quality itself, based on the distinction between fundamental and non-fundamental attributes, is a relative and subjective phenomenon of human consciousness. Any given subject will have multiple qualities, depending on the relations which exist between and within that subject and other subjects. Annotation 169. Anything, phenomenon, or idea may be perceived from various different perspectives, which would cause us to consider it as having different qualities. A single shoe may be considered as a shoe, three pounds of leather, half of a pair, etc., depending on its internal and external relations and the perspective of the person considering the shoe. We can't consider things, phenomena, and ideas apart from quality. Quality exhibits a subject's relative stability. Annotation 170. Remember that quality is the way in which the human mind conceives of the world as a collection of distinct things, phenomena, and ideas. These perceptions of quality are purely relative, but they are important because they are what allow us to develop an understanding of the complicated system of things, phenomena, and ideas which make up our universe. In our perception, quality represents the relative stability of a thing, phenomenon, or idea, which makes it a subject that we can consider and analyze in and of itself. Understanding how we can distinguish between different subjects is crucial in developing a scientific understanding of the world which is rooted in observation and practice. Definition of quantity. Quantity refers to the amount or extent of specific attributes of a thing, phenomenon, or idea, including but not limited to the amount of component parts, scale or size, speed or rhythm of motion. A thing, phenomenon, or idea can have many quantities, with each quantity determined by different criteria, i.e. a car may be measured by many criteria of quantity, such as length in meters, weight in kilograms, speed in kilometers per hour, etc. Quality and quantity embody two different aspects of the same subject. Both quality and quantity exist objectively, see annotation 108. However, the distinction between quality and quantity in the process of perceiving things, phenomena, and ideas has only relative significance. An attribute may be considered quantity from one perspective, but quality from another perspective. Annotation 171. If you are filling a box with a dozen donuts, then once you add the twelfth donut, one dozen may represent the quality which you seek. From the perspective of a customer buying donuts for a party, dozen may represent the quantity. In other words, you need to make an order, quality, of three dozen donuts, quantity. And the manager of the store, at the end of the day, may tally 20 orders, quantity, as the day's sales goal, quality. Quantity and quality, therefore, are both considered relatively, based on perspective and the purpose of analysis at hand. Dialectical relationship between quantity and quality. Everything, phenomenon, and idea exists as a unity of two aspects, quality and quantity. Quantity and quality do not exist separate from one another. Quantity and quality dialectically and mutually impact one another. Changes in quantity lead to changes in quality. However, not every change in quantity will cause a change in quality. 
Annotation 172. In order for quantity change to lead to quality change, a certain amount must be met. This amount is called the threshold, which is explained further below in this section. A threshold may be exact and known, i.e. it takes exactly 12 donuts to make a dozen donuts, or it may be relative and unknown, i.e. a certain quantity of air inflated into a balloon may cause it to burst. But the exact specific quantity of air may be relative to other factors, such as air temperature, and may be unknown to the observer until the balloon actually bursts. With any given subject, there will be a range of quantity changes which can accumulate without leading to change in quality. This range is called the quantity range. Quantity range is defined as a relationship between quantity and quality. The range of intervals in which the change of quantity does not substantially change the quality of a given subject. Within the limits of a quantity range, the subject remains the same quality. Annotation 173. Figure 1. The quality range is a range of quantities between quality shifts. Quantity range can be thought of as the range of quantities which exist between thresholds. For instance, between the qualities of one donut and one dozen donuts, there is a quantity range of 10 donuts, 2 donuts through 11 donuts, which can be added before the quality shifts to one dozen donuts. You can keep adding additional donuts up to the quantity of 11 donuts without reaching the threshold quality shift to one dozen donuts. This is the quantity range between the qualities of donut and one dozen donuts. Again, the quantity range is relative to the perspective and the nature of analysis. One person may only be concerned with dozens of donuts, while another may consider the quality of half dozens, which would consider a quality shift to one half dozen donuts to occur once the sixth donut quantity is added. Motion and change usually begins with a change in quantity. When changes in quantity reach a certain amount, quality will also change. The amount or degree of quantity change at which quality change occurs is called the threshold. Annotation 174. Figure 2. Threshold of a glass of water. Note that the threshold is an approximate range. At a certain quantity, a glass may be considered half full, and at another certain quantity after passing the threshold, the glass will be considered full though there will be a wide range of quantities at which the glass would be considered to have the quality of being full, depending on perspective and purpose of analysis. When quantity change meets a threshold, within necessary and specific conditions, quality will change. This change in quality, which takes place in the motion and development process of things, phenomena, and ideas, is called a quality shift. Figure 3. A quality shift occurs when a quantity changes beyond a threshold, leading to a change in quality. Quality shifts inevitably occur as transformation in the development processes of things, phenomena, and ideas. Qualitative changes can be expressed or manifested through many forms of quality shifts, which are determined by the contradictions, characteristics, and conditions of a given subject, including such characteristics as fast or slow, big or small, partial or entire, spontaneous or intentional. Annotation 175. 
Quality shifts are inevitable because there is no thing, phenomena, nor idea which can exist statically, forever, without ever undergoing change. Eventually, any given subject will undergo quality shifts, even if such transformation may take millions of years to occur. Quality shifts can take various forms, depending on the nature of internal and external relationships, contradictions, and mutual impacts. For instance, a river may dry up, or it may flood, depending on internal and external relations and characteristics. But it will not simply flow at the same level forever without ever undergoing any quality shifts. The rate and degree of quality shifts can vary considerably based on such internal and external factors and may be spontaneous, that is to say, without human intervention, or may be the result of the intentional conscious action of human beings. Quality shifts mark the end of one motion period and the start of a new motion period. Annotation 176, figure 4, Anatomy of Development, the quantity range a refers to the range of quantities between two qualities in the process of development. The quantity shift B refers to the point at which quantity accumulates to the point of changing the quality of the developing subject. The period of motion C includes both the quantity range and the quality shifts themselves. Period of motion refers to the development which occurs between two quality shifts, including the quality shifts themselves. Period of motion differs from quantity range because quantity range only includes the range of quantity change which can occur between quality shifts, without including the quality shifts themselves. For example, a period of motion for a cup filling with water from a half cup would include all of the change which occurs from the cup being half full to the cup being entirely full. The quantity range of this same process would only include the quantities of water that stand between half full and full, where the cup is neither considered to be half full or full, but somewhere in between, i.e. between quality shifts. Quality shift represents discontinuity within the continuous development processes of things and phenomena. In the material world, all things, phenomena, and ideas are constantly undergoing continuous sequences of quantitative changes leading to quality shifts, creating an endless line of nodes, showing how all things, phenomena, and ideas move and develop to increasingly advanced degrees. As Friedrich Engels summarized, quote, merely quantitative changes beyond a certain point pass into qualitative differences, end quote. Footnote 1. Annotation 177. Processes of change and development in our universe are continuously ongoing. Whenever a quality shift occurs, it represents a brief discontinuity in the sense that we perceive a definite and distinct transformation from one thing, phenomenon, or idea into another. In other words, we can distinguish between the mode of existence of the thing, phenomenon, or idea before and after the quality shift. Take, for example, the lifespan of a house. A human being could easily distinguish between the empty land which exists before the house is built, the construction site which exists as it's being built, and the house itself once construction is completed. In reality, this process of change is continuous, but to our human perception, each quality shift represents a definite and distinct period of change and discontinuity in terms of our perception of the thing which is the house. 
This is related to the historic perspective of things, phenomena, and ideas, in which we recognize the continuity of existence between different stages of development of things, phenomena, and ideas. See Annotation 201. When a quality shift occurs, there is an impact on the quantity. Quality impacts quantity in a number of ways, including, but not limited to, changing the structure, scale, or level of the subject, changing the rhythm or speed of the motion and development of the subject. In summary, dialectical unity between quantity and quality exists in everything, phenomenon, and idea. A gradual quantitative change, through the quantity range, will eventually meet the threshold, which will inevitably lead to a qualitative change through quality shift. Simultaneously, the new quality will mutually impact the quantity causing new quantitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas. This process takes place continuously, forming the fundamental and universal mode of movement and development processes of all things, phenomena, and ideas. Annotation 178. Transformation between quantity and quality is the mode of movement and development of all things, phenomena, and ideas because it reflects the way in which human consciousness perceives movement and development. So it is important to understand that there is no material manifestation of quantity and quality. They are simply mental constructs which reflect the ways in which we observe and understand change, motion, and development of things, phenomena, and ideas. Transformation processes in the material world are fully fluid and continuous, but our consciousness perceives change in stages of development. Quality simply reflects how we would distinguish one subject from another subject as well as how we recognize the transformation process and stages of development of a single subject over time. There is no specific point, metaphysically distinct point, at which a puppy becomes an adult dog. But human beings will distinguish between a puppy and an adult dog, or recognize at a certain point that a puppy has become an adult dog based on observation of quality. Figure 5 quality shift of a single subject over time, quality difference between two subjects. Quality refers to the differences which are distinguished in human consciousness between one subject and another, or changes in a subject's form over time. There is no metaphysic... We create categories which reflect quality to organize and systematically understand the world around us, and to distinguish between different subjects and to distinguish between different stages of development of a given subject. We can also distinguish differences of quality between different subjects. We can distinguish a cat from a dog, and we can distinguish one dog from another dog. These distinguishing attributes constitute differences in quality. Note that this conception of differentiation of things, phenomena, and ideas into qualities, which constantly change and develop over time, is fundamentally distinct from metaphysical categorization, which seeks to divide all things, phenomena, and ideas into static, perpetually unchanging categories. See Annotation 8. Distinction within the human mind is reflected in the concept of quantity and quality. If we do not observe quality differences between subjects, then we would not be able to distinguish between different subjects at all. If we could not recognize the quality shifts of any given subject, then we would not be aware of change or motion at all. C. Meaning of the methodology. 
Every thing, phenomena, and idea has characteristics of quality and quantity which mutually impact and transform one another. Therefore, in perception and practice, we need to understand and take into account the law of transformation between quantity and quality in order to have a comprehensive viewpoint of things, phenomena, and ideas. See Annotation 114. Quantitative changes of things, phenomena, and ideas inevitably lead to qualitative changes in all things, phenomena, and ideas. Therefore, in our perception and practice, as we plan and enact change in our world and in human society, it is necessary to gradually accumulate changes in quantity in order to make changes in quality. At the same time, we must recognize and make use of the fact that quality shifts also lead to changes in quantity. Annotation 179. We have to understand and utilize the law of transformation between quantity and quality in our activities. For instance, if a group of activists hopes to address hunger in their community, they have to realize that they can't immediately enact a quality shift which solves the entire problem of hunger across the city instantaneously. Instead, the activists must recognize that quantity shifts lead to quality shifts through stages of development. In planning and acting, they may need to set certain development targets, predict thresholds at which quality shifts will occur, etc. For instance, the first goal for these activists may be to provide free lunches to houseless people in a particular park every weekend. If they can accomplish this, then they will not have completely eliminated hunger in the city, but they will have reached a threshold, a quality shift, in that nobody in that park will be hungry at lunchtime on weekends. From there, they can continue to build quality shift through accumulation of changes in quantity, one stage of development at a time. Quality shifts leading to quantity shifts must also be recognized and utilized in our planning and activities. For example, once an effective marketing strategy is developed for eliminating hunger in one park through quantity changes leading to quality shifts, this strategy can then be implemented in other parks. Thus, the quality shift of eliminating hunger in one park can lead to a quantity shift eliminating hunger in two parks, three parks, etc., until the quantity shift of eliminating hunger in parks leads to the quality shift of eliminating hunger in all the parks in the city. This entire process of enacting quantity changes to lead to quality shifts and accumulating quality shifts to change quantity are all focused toward the ultimate goal of achieving the quality shift of eliminating hunger in the entire city. In short, it's vital for us to understand the ways in which quantity and quality mutually impact each other so that we can formulate plans and activities which will lead to motion and development, which accomplish our goals, step by step, through one stage of development at a time. Changes in quantity can only lead to changes in quality provided the quantity accumulates to a certain threshold. Therefore, in practice, we need to overcome impatient left-sided thought. Left-sided thinking refers to thinking which is overly subjective, idealistic, ignorant of the laws which govern material reality. Left-sided thinking neglects to acknowledge the necessity of quantity accumulation which precedes shifts in quality, focusing instead on attempting to perform continuous shifts in quality. On the other hand, we must also recognize that once change in quantity has reached a threshold, it is inevitable 
that a quality shift will take place. Therefore, we need to overcome conservative and right-sided thought in practical work. Right-sided thinking is the expression of conservative, stagnant thought that resists or refuses to recognize quality shifts even as changes in quantity come to meet the threshold of quality shift. Annotation 180. Right-sided thinking and left-sided thinking are Vietnamese political concepts which are rooted in the ideas of Lenin's book, Left-Wing Communism, and Infantile Disorder. In Vietnamese political philosophy, left-sided thinking is a form of dogmatic idealism which upholds unrealistic conceptions of change and development. Left-sided thinkers don't have the patience for quantity accumulation which are prerequisite to quality shifts, or expect to skip entire stages of development which are necessary to precipitate change in the real world. An example of left-sided thinking would be believing that a capitalist society can instantly transition into a stateless, classless, communist society, skipping over the changes in quantity and quality which are required to bring such a massive transformation in human society to fruition. Right-sided thinking, on the other hand, is conservative resistance to change. Right-sided thinkers resist quality changes to human society. They either want to preserve society as it exists right now, or reverse development to some previous, real or imagined, stage of development. Right-sided thinkers also refuse to acknowledge quality shifts once they've occurred, idealistically pretending that changes in material conditions have not occurred. For example, right-sided thinkers may refuse to recognize advances which have been made in the liberation of women, or even attempt to reverse those advances in hopes of returning to previous stages of development when women had fewer freedoms. Here is a practical example of these concepts in use from the Vietnam Encyclopedia, published by the Ministry of Culture and Information of Vietnam. Quote, Opportunism is a system of political views that do not follow a clear direction nor a clear line, do not have a definite stance, and are inclined toward the immediate personal gain of the opportunist. In the proletarian revolutionary movement, opportunism is a politics of compromise, reform, and unprincipled collaboration with the enemy, which run contrary to the basic interests of the working class and the working people. In practice, opportunism has two main trends, stemming from right-sided thinking and from left-sided thinking, respectively. Right-wing opportunism is reformist, favors undue compromise, and aims to peacefully convert capitalism into socialism while abandoning the struggle for meaningful victory of the working class. Right-wing opportunism, typified by Edward Bernstein and Karl Kotsky, has its origins in the Workers' Party of the Second International Era and exists to this day. Left-wing opportunism is a mixture of extremism and adventurism, dogmatism, arrogance, subjectivity, cults of violence, and disregard for the objective situation. Both right and left opportunism push the workers' movement to futile sacrifice and failure. End quote. Quality shifts are diverse and plentiful, so we need to promote and apply quality shifts creatively and flexibly to suit the specific material conditions we face in a given situation. This is especially true in changing human society, as social development processes depend not only on objective conditions, but also on subjective human factors. Therefore, we need to be active and take the initiative to promote the process of converting between quantity and quality in the most effective way. Annotation 181. 
Put simply, we have to use our human will and labor to actively promote quantity changes which lead to quality changes, and quality changes which lead to quantity changes, which move us towards our goal of ending all forms of oppression in human society. This will involve not just objective factors, footnote 2, i.e. material conditions which are necessary to accomplish something, but subjective factors, footnote 3, as well. Factors which we, as a subject, are capable of impacting directly. That is going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions, you can email leftistreading at gmail.com or contact the show on Twitter at leftistreading. The intro and outro music is Decisions by Eric Medias. You can find it and more of his work on soundimage.org. This show is hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Network. You can go to abnormalmapping.com to find this and lots of other leftist podcasts and also support the network on patreon.com slash abnormalmapping to get lots of extra bonus shows and stuff there too. That is all for this week. Thank you for listening and for 2024, keep reading.